This event was recorded live at the 2015 Edinburgh International Book Festival. Alan Cumming! That went well. Let's try that again. Alan Cumming, ladies and gentlemen. It's like it's a, a radio show and we're trying to get the audience all... Yeah, I know. There's something that comes up. on at the beginning and somebody yeah. goes, right, get rid of it. Yeah, that's American radio and American TV. We don't do that <laughs> so much over here. Um, uh, thank you all for coming. This was the, as some of you will know, this was the joint first event to sell out of the entire book festival, along with the Reverend Jesse Jackson. He's always, he's um, my arch rival, actually. Your arch rival, yeah. <laughs> so, are you the goody or the baddie in this scenario? Maybe I should. I will not say. No. And uh, thanks very much to our sponsors, the National Library of Scotland, whose name is above here. A fine institution. A fine institution. Um, and it's my job to, to, to try to interview Alan Cumming uh, in an hour, also allowing some time for questions. So we're going to ch chat for 40, 45 minutes, and there'll be about 15, 20 minutes of questions. So hopefully there'll be some good questions waiting for him. But when I, when I went, you know, I mean, I do, I do what I do. I read the book. In fact, I've read it twice because you were kind enough to send me a very early copy. And then to prepare for this, I read it again. And then went on the internet, did some research and stuff. And of course, the thing that jumps out at me straight away is that your first TV acting job was Taggart. That's not strictly true, oh. but Bloody it was my second. My first one was called Travelling Man for this on, on um, Granada TV, but my, I guess my big break was Taggart. Your big break wasn't the high life. That was my next big break. <laughs> that was my next big break. You have a lot of big breaks. What is it? What is it? What? I can't remember. What did it go again? I can't remember. What's that? Thing, the thing, didn't you do a thing in the High Life? You did a thing. Oh, uh, like the do do. Yeah, I know. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> can't remember. It's a long time ago. No, I know. It's a long time ago. A lot of water's been passed since then. <laughs> um, I mean. Now, we're, I mean, we're used to, you know, we're used to fantastic actors coming out of Scotland. Um, and often they then will write a book. And it will be a fairly anodyne book about the profession. There'll be a few stories about meeting Liza Minnelli or getting kicked out of the Viper Room or going to the Oscars or something or winning a Tony, which, of course, you've won. Um, there'll be that kind of stuff, and it'll be kind of gossipy, and it'll be very fairly bland and forgettable. But you've done an astonishing thing, I think. You've written a, a book, which is a very personal book. And it is, it is what made you the person you are. Yes. I, I, um, I mean, I, I, I well... I, you know, I wrote, a, I wrote a novel about 12 years ago, and after that, I got asked, you know, it went quite well, and I got asked to write, if I'd like to write something else, and I said, I'd actually write to, like to write more about my own life, because I, you know, it's been quite fascinating, and, and, then, and, and then also, like, in, 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 I wrote a film that was kind of with Jennifer Jason Lee. that's a very sort of thinly veiled story about our, us. Uh, we made our characters very like ourselves and all the other people, and then... And I was very interested in the idea of writing about, you know, as an actor, I feel the more you let yourself come out and the less you try and cover yourself up. So in a literary way, I was in interested about doing that. And I also thought I would like to write about, I, you know, tell lots of stories about things that have happened to me. So anyway, I wanted to do a book about that. But when I, what really put me off was exactly that, that I would go to, you know, talk to people about doing it and they would, they would want a gossipy showbiz book. And I just... 
I don't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. So I kind of put it to bed, the whole idea of doing that. And, but, I, but I still wrote things. And, and then, um, just as I was thinking about doing it again, this thing happened to me. And I thought, if I'm going to write about my life, this is the story <laughs> I should tell. And we, we are going to hold some stuff back, because anybody who hasn't read the book, <clears throat> um, I do want you to, to have the same experience that somebody has reading a book for the first time. So there's a few twists and turns. Some of them we might give away or we might hint at, but we're not going to give away the whole thing tonight. Unless, because I've had a couple of drinks. <laughs> Unless, <laughs> you know, it might, might be a slip of the tongue. But it was, I mean, it kind of came about partly, I mean, there were various reasons, but one of them was that you were, um, you, you were contacted by who do you think you are? Yes. Which I've always wanted to do. Oh, you have? Always. The, the guy's here tonight. <laughs> yeah, he did. Well, because I can't... Met him. I there he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I can't go back. I mean, I, can't, I didn't even know my grandparents. So, I, you know, my what family history ends with my parents. Why? I, I, I don't, well, I mean, a lot of the, grand, uh, the granddads both died in World War I. Um, but they could find out things. These days you can, you can yeah. find out a fair amount. On who do you think you are? Yeah, I know, I know. But <laughs> you know what I'm scared of, though? I'm scared of being one of these people they choose for who do you think they are, you are. And they do the research and they go, nah, sorry, pal. We were just, talk just, we were just talking about it's that. It's not interesting enough. We, we're not going to do your program. They do that. They, like, they, are, they say to you, would you be interested in being and who do you think you are? And you go, yes. And they go, we're going to go away for a couple of months. And, and then they we'll come back. back. And like my friend, you know Faye Ripley, that actress? She, like when I said, I, I was, when I was in London, I was about to start filming it. I was like, I'd, oh, I'll come for a drink. And she was like, why are you here? I said, I'm doing Who Do You Think You Are? She was like. Because, <laughs> and, and she said that the, that happened to her. And then they came back and went, so sorry, your family's really boring. And the thing was, like, her, her, like, her ancestrally, her family was a bit boring, but her, like, immediate family, like, she goes, but my father's been married three times. I've got two, you know, stepmothers who killed themselves. It wasn't like that, but she was like, trying to list to me all the reasons why she, should, she had a kind of um, traumatic uh, uh, family story. But, but so they, there is that, there is that kind of um, thing where you worry about what, you know, and, and I really did want to do it because, there, and I think we talked about this, I think the, they are best, those shows, when there is already a mystery. Like, there yeah. was a mystery in my family, and uh, I hope to solve it. But I can just imagine that when they went away and did the initial research and they came back to me, they must have been like, whoa. Because <laughs> it, it was a lot. So they were focusing on your mother's father, your yes. maternal grandfather, yes. because he had served <clears throat> during the war. He'd been a war hero during World War II. Mm -hmm. But he hadn't really come back to the family home. He'd then gone off to Malaya. Yeah. Uh, and there was a kind of, there was a slight sort of, you know, he died in an accident. Yeah. And so it was kind of picking that apart. Yeah, I mean, that's, what I knew was that he never came back after the war. And I always remember thinking, why? And my mum, I would say, why didn't he come? She would say, oh, well, you know, it's the, uh, the war and people didn't get leave and all those things. I was like, but he died in 1951. That's a long time after. And this is kind of, it was, my granny, you know, remarried and, we never, re it was all talked about in sort of hushed tones and it was a mystery to me mm. and, and, it was, and it was a mystery to my mum. And then he died in the shoot, it was, it said it was a shooting accident and I, I was always wondering what that meant. And so that was what I told them and then they did tell me that that was what they're going to focus yeah. on. But I, like, I went to start filming it and I remember it was when that volcano in Iceland um, and oh all yeah. the smoke and you, you know that, that, that time? in 2010 and so I said 
um, will I, what will I, you know, where will I be in the first week of filming? And I said, you will be in Europe. I said, okay, that's, I said, will I need my passport? <laughs> and, or will my, may I be flying anywhere? Because that could be a problem. I said, we can go on the train. So, um, but the thing was that... Because they don't want you to know what yeah. they're just about to show you. So you yeah. do genuinely find out everything on yeah. camera, which is, I mean, in a funny way, I write about it in my book, actually, that it is truly reality TV. And it's like this, it's this kind of, it's a bargain, I think, you make it. But I found out, actually, the nice man who's here asked me, <laughs> did I regret doing it? Um, the show and, I, and, I, and at times during it I did because I said this thing like you know it was I th when I'm going into it I thought this is the best thing about being famous that I've, that's ever happened to me in terms of the research and all the stuff that's open to you and the fact that I could was able to give my mum this gift of knowing what happened to her father and and, and I just felt, wow, this would never have, I would never have been able to find this out had I not been famous. And so isn't that great? And then halfway through, I was like, oh, fuck. I wish <laughs> I now I've got to go and tell my mum. And, and I, I thought it was the worst thing. But in, I mean, in part, uh, in large part, I guess, that's because during the process, very early on in the process, your father uh, got some information to you via your brother. Yeah, so, so my, my so my, I was about to start filming it and I was meeting the director. It's Friday night. I was meeting the director on Saturday. I was starting filming on the Monday, and my father, <clears throat> who I hadn't seen at that point for 16 years, who's estranged from us all. Um, but when the, in in the course of the research for the program, they'd said to me, Can, "We know you don't uh, see your father, but could we in, could we, if you know, call him up and ask him to be interviewed? Because they try and interview as many people in your family as." possible before they decide on the thing that they're going to focus on. So I was like, well, and I, I did say I don't want him to be in this show, but you can, in, in, you know, interview him. So, and he refused to be interviewed, but he did know that it was going to happen. And for a variety of reasons, he, because he, he thought that this thing was going to come out in the course of the show, so he felt it was important to tell me via my brother the night before I met the director that I was not his son. Hence the title of my top international uh, memoir, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so that was like, you know, whilst I was filming the BBC show about this other mystery in my life, I was living this, this mystery of, of And the TV people didn't know this? I actually told the director, because I was in such a state and I... Uh, I was, you know, having to fl go to all these different places and, and talk to my father for the first time in nearly 20 years and talk to, talk to my father about, you know, really intense things and then suddenly go, and here I am, you know, talking to some historian from the, in the Imperial War Museum. And so I told her and um, just because I just needed to talk to someone about mm. it. I mean, the book opens. I mean, let's, let's, let's go back a bit because your father... Um, to me, I mean, it seems to me this is a story of two very damaged men. Mm -hmm. Maternal grandfather was damaged <clears> by the war, really, I think. Yes, um, But your father so. was very damaged. Very uh, he must have been, because he was a horribly cruel man. Yes. And the book opens with an extraordinary scene of you wanting a glass of water. <laughs> yeah, basically. And then, yeah. As a kid aged what? I was about 
10, I don't know, 10 or 12. I was at high school, so it must have been 12 or 11 or 12. And um, my father was a very violent, scary man, but he also had a real obsession about my hair. And um, so, and he decided at the, at the tea table, he had got into his head that I needed to have a haircut. And I mean, it wasn't like I had, you know, shoulder length hair or anything. It was, I always had a very short hair, but he just worked himself into a frenzy. And then I went to get a glass of, I was so nervous and scared. And so I went to get a glass of water and then he, that's what made him flip. And he grabbed me and took me out and basically took me out into the shed and um, clippered my ha hair with sheep shears. And uh, I looked, you know, it was just this, r this ra fit of rage, but around a theme that was quite common. It was always weird about my hair, but I, and I had to go to school looking like a, you know, a, like a, someone from a concentration camp. It was, and it was a, you know, a bad cut at a concentration camp. But, and, you, but you know, you then, I mean, you, it's an extraordinary, it's a very powerful scene. And we'll talk a little bit about, you can, you know, you're growing up, he's a forester, he was in charge of the, an estate at Panmure near um, Carnoustie, and that was where you were growing up. Um, but you then, can you turn that around? In the book, it's an extraordinary thing because by the time you got <coughs> to college, when you were at um, drama school in Glasgow, you were able to go back home with purple hair. Yeah. And your dad didn't say anything. No. I know, isn't that crazy? Yeah, no. I mean, it's an interesting you sort of, thing. You, and, and you say that you, you, you've had so many hairstyles as an adult, you think a lot of it might be related I think to it's that? completely true. I mean, I, um, you know, being in The Good Wife, this TV show I'm in now, like, I, this is my, I've got a, I got a haircut in season seven. It's so great. So, Ooh. I know. But, like, I've had to have my hair that way for such a long time and I realized that it was so difficult for me to keep my hair the same way or the same color for uh, 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 nine months because I think as an adult my hair became about uh, my my control in some way that I could it's something about I need to control and change it and do what I like with it and it's funny that when my book came out all the people at The Good Wife were like we're so sorry we've made you have your hair like this <laughs> <laughs> so then I got a haircut in season seven, so maybe that's why. <laughs> but as a, as a kind of, as a, as a, in your teens now, you, you, I think you say that you, you actually had trouble going to the hairdresser. You know, that it was yes, a because it would always bring back images well, I, I, memories. I mean, for a long time, I, like, I just, like my father had a thing about my hair. Uh, I, had, I began to have a thing about my hair, so when I... I would vomit. I would like. I would vomit when I would go to the hairdresser, especially those sort of like. Not so much as getting like a kind of, you know, I could handle that because it's a short time. But if I got the long experience of the, you know, the massaging and the, in the sink and everything, uh, I would. I was like two times. I remember like being like just vomiting in a hair salon. It's not a good look for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> they not. They don't like you to come back. But it was, you know, I had. And that is part of the thing about the story is that I had obviously I didn't quite know at the time what that was about, but so much that happened in my childhood and my, my father's violence and all this stuff, I didn't really because there wasn't time and there wasn't um, I wasn't able to and we just couldn't process it in a in a way. It wasn't until I was an adult that I was able to, you know, sort of relive it and understand it and, and, and realize how much it had affected me. And, I mean, it, in some ways, I mean, reading them, I mean, he's a monster. I mean, reading about him, it's like almost you couldn't make him up. You know, someone who, who puts villains in books all the time. Yeah, you yeah. almost couldn't make him up because he is almost too complex a character. Yeah. You're going, what made you into that? Which is why I say a damaged individual. Because what, you know, I, it, 
because your 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 mum was always trying to you know make sure that you, neither you nor your brother were going to you know come into direct contact with him at a time when he was going to get flying a rage. But if you had anything you were interested in, any, any interests, any hobbies, he would try and make sure you couldn't do them. Yeah. Anything your mum wanted to do, like maybe go to night school and yeah. better herself, he tried to make sure that didn't happen. He's very threatened. I it's think. an extraordinarily controlling character. Yeah. And of course, I really did try and find out from him as well as other people what made him like that. And, and it was I, very. Was it? Did you feel isolated because living on this estate? Yeah, we lived in the middle of nowhere, and so yeah, it was, and so nobody really knew what was going on, and it was, uh, yeah, it was very difficult. And it, I mean, it was we, the, how I grew up was such a, you know, feudal almost, not almost feudal kind of existence. Like we grew up on a country estate, and people would come to the door and say, you know, I'd answer the door and be some farmer there, and you go, it's the mesterin. Like, you know, it was 1786. And, uh, <laughs> and so it was, yeah, it was very, very, the, you know, and also that meant it was silent. You know, the whole thing was, there was no witness mm. to it. So it made it very difficult to register that stuff had happened. It wasn't until it physically kind of manifested itself for me when I was I mean, could you, could you escape? I mean, could you escape internally? Could you sort of have a creative in, inner life or something that would mean that you, you know, fantasies of leaving and um, other world? I'm just trying to think yeah, if, well, if there's anything in this that might have ended up making you an actor. Definitely. I mean, I think, um, I mean, a lot of people, when I say that, I've said, uh, they say, oh, it's because, you know, you felt you weren't loved by your father, so you wanted love of the audience. I'm like, whoa, no. Um, and I understand that's a kind of, you know, sort of easy pop psychology way, but it, it wasn't that. But what I think did happen was that I, when, when all that was going on, my sort of escape from it was to go into the woods and make, have make-believe, make up stories and, you know, run around and pretend things and have a vivid imagination and play act. And that, I think, was what sort of helped me. But also when I started, you know, at school doing proper plays, I realized, that, oh, I'm quite good at this. I know how to do this. I've been doing this on my own. So, so that way, I think, and also the dealing with my father in terms of, um, you know, when you deal with someone who's um, irrational and, um, you know, Ill, ment mentally ill, I, I think, um, you have to develop a really good set of skills of, you know, hiding things or else acting in a way that you're not... That you, you think he wants you to behave, and so in a way that those skills, I had to get really good at at a much too early age, and and those I think were stood me in quite good stead for being mm. an actor later. And he was, I mean, he was also a man who, I mean, as this used to say, in, 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 in had an eye for the ladies. I mean, he was a serial philanderer. I yes. think is the way you put it in the book. Yes. Um, and yet he comes along and accuses your mum of having a one night stand. Yeah, from no, which isn't you were the result. Isn't it ironic? It's like an extraordinary, well, like an extraordinary defense mechanism. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, it's so complicated because I think, for me, what I think, uh, there's still a mystery, because my father died. Spoiler alert, he dies. He died, and I love he dies like it's part of a story, but it is, but he, <laughs> he actually died. Um, I never discovered, um, wh like, when he, when he decided that was true for him, when he... And his story was so, the story that he told me about, you know, how I, this other man was my dad, was so elaborate and so, you know, it was just incredible. And I just don't understand when he started to believe that. And, uh, 
It's, I, I'll, I'll never know. And in a funny way, it's an interesting thing, you know, writing a book like this, because in a way you're, I'm, I'm, I thought I was going to kind of expunge him in a way. And actually, of course, I brought him closer to me and he will be, he will be closer to me than I've, he has ever been for the rest of my life. But I think that's good. But I've also what's also good is you have to accept sometimes that you know you're not going to get rationale from an irrational person, and I'm not going to be able to. I've got to accept. I've got to accept my dad. There's the fireworks, ladies and gentlemen. Twenty to nine. A little bit early. I don't know. Um, there will be fireworks. I should have warned you that there will be fireworks. I had them last night when I was on the stage as well. Um, I don't mean on the stage. There won't be fireworks. <laughs> but you castle. never know. Um, you never know. You never know. Um, yeah, oh, I've just got my train of thoughts gone now. Wait a second, give me a second, give me a second. But my no, dad um, yeah. accepting Yeah, him. dad. I mean, no, it's a I'm going to flash forward. Oh, I'm okay. going to flash forward now to a lovely thing that you did because, you, as you said, your father did die and left you some money. Yeah, and no, he, did, he didn't leave me money. Well, money was left. Yeah. Which, which you could eventually access but and use to take your mum but he, to, but he, to but Malaya. But I should point out that it sounds like that was a nice gesture of his. It wasn't at no, all. No, it wasn't, no. He... There's a thing, it's actually a great thing about Scotland and about Scottish law. There's a thing, which I didn't know, called the, the Bairns Act. And it means that if any biological father does not mention, does not mention their, his, his biological children, just the father, not the mothers, <laughs> uh, in, in their will, then the biological children are entitled, all of them are entitled to half of the financial estate of the father, not the property and all that stuff, but the money, just the money that's left at the end. And I think it's an interesting thing that in our country, this must have happened so much <laughs> that at some point, the, the, uh, you know, our, our government decided it was worth making a law to make sure that these errant fathers didn't do this. So the, I got a letter from a lawyer after my father died saying, as you know, your father has not left you anything in his will. I was like, well, I didn't, but I didn't expect it that happened to happen either. But, this, the, but he said, but there is this thing. And I was like, what? And then I asked him, I said, so would my dad have known that this law happened? He goes, well, yes, when, we, when he made the will, we, he would have been told that and blah, blah. So he purposely did this thing, knowing that we, would, we were entitled to this money, but we would have to say, yes, I want to take it rather than give it, knowing yeah, yeah. it. So there was, even from beyond the grave, he was being a dick. But I think... <laughs> so, but we, so I took it. Me and my brother took it. Yeah. And, and, we and used I think you the, used it, and you used it in absolutely the right way. Yeah, because what I did was I took uh, my mom, who's here tonight, my husband, who's here tonight, my brother and his wife, and we all went to Malaysia, and we... F f uh, traced the footsteps I'd taken in the Who Do You Think You Are and we went to all the places and we went to my granddad's grave with my mum and went to the little village where he'd um, died with, and, they had, the, and they, had, they had this amazing because he'd been this sort of hero in this village and these m old men had known him and when I said we were coming they had this big party for us the whole little town shut down and my mum was like the guest of honour in this thing it was absolutely magical there was a, I mean, and, and there was a street named after him as well. There's a yes. photograph in the book of you standing by the street sign. I mean, he was very well thought of in that area. And, uh, and you do find out what happened to him. And it is a, it is a, a pretty powerful story. You know, this is a guy who'd 
I mean, his sacrifices during World War II were extraordinary. He was part of a, a you know, a, a battalion, very few of whom made it back, yeah. you know, to be evacuated at Dunkirk and stuff. Yeah, the Cameron but showed great, But showed great heroism, yeah. more than once. They kind of, but then kind of crazy heroism that's what yeah. you know he, he was a he was a motorbike dis, motorbike dispatch rider so he's kind of like steve mcqueen in the great escape that's uh, <laughs> what i think of him and then but then shortly you know then he went to burma and had to, and was in jungle warfare against the japanese and he basically lost it he lo- you know he was i couldn't understand like in the story and the who do you think you are like it was a he was in this hospital here in burma and they traveled him over like 1500 miles to the other side of india and i was like oh what and then, they, then I realized they'd ripped his records out, his medical records that were missing. And they did this clever thing where they kind of let you find things and you ask the question and then they tell you the answer. And what it was, what it was because he was later made an officer and if any officer was, had any hint of mental illness, they would rip it out of their medical records. So the very institution that caused my grandfather to have a mental breakdown and mental problems was then heaping shame upon him later for having it. So, ah, that really pissed me off. And I think it's understandable now that, you know, this is, you know, years and years ago mm. before PTSD and all those uh, things that we, we talk about, there's still such a stigma about it in the military. But even, th- but then it must have been awful. Well, the final ignominy to me, uh, and this was, again, you know, horrifying, was to find that your, your grand, because his stuff was shipped back to Liverpool when he died, but she couldn't afford the few pounds that yeah. we get the stuff out of storage. It's four pounds. They, so so they, they sent it back, but they didn't send it to her. Yeah, like after, so basically, because, well, spoiler alert, but he, he died, he um, killed himself playing Russian roulette. My granddad. See, I said we weren't going to give that away. Right? Uh, well, we're not going to give the other thing away. You're allowed to, you're allowed to give it yeah, away. Yeah, I think it's, for, you know, it's on the telly, so people will have seen it. So he died playing Russian roulette. He went, you know, he ended up in this place in Malaysia now and and uh, that's how he you know so he obviously was very damaged and he wasn't even playing it like in a game he just did it one morning he finished his rounds with his other soldiers and he just took someone's gun and shot his head off and so that's a damaged person and uh, you know and then because he had killed himself the 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 military people didn't deem his death worthy of a pension but they didn't want to tell my granny that's how he died and so basically they sent all his they didn't give her a pension and she was suddenly left without um any income and plunged into poverty and then there's this on the tv show it's so tragic like i see this letter and it's my granny writing ask saying oh no someone else is writing saying that they've talked to my granny and that that his stuff was sent by his effects were sent back to liverpool in a military thing, and then she said, could we have his effects? We'd love to have something to give the children to show, and she couldn't afford the four pounds. It sat in Liverpool for over a year, and um, she couldn't afford to have it sent to Inverness. It was just, and that's when I cried. You know, who do you think you are, everyone? The celebrity always cries. That's when I cried. (laughs) One, one, uh, there's one woman who also emerges from this as a strong woman, and that's your mum. I think. Um, Staunch. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a photograph in the book. I mean, I don't want talk about it too much, but it's a photograph where your father had sort of introduced at the beach one day a woman who <coughs> he was obviously having a relationship with. It's a photograph of you and your mum sitting on the beach and there's a kind of look in her eyes, you know, and, and you're fully kind of youthful, kind of, we're at the beach. Trying you know, to make this better. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. But eventually, there's a great scene when your dad comes home drunk, 
with a guy he works with. Yeah. And your mum stands up to him. Yeah. And it's and it's first time you're aware of her doing it, I think, properly. Yeah. And it's almost the beginning of an adventure for her that she is gonna get through this yeah. and have her and, and she is gonna get some qualifications and she is gonna lead her own life and she is gonna leave him. Yeah, she did she did. And she When you were at college she felt able to leave him. Yes. And the thing is like the book is obviously there's a lot of drama and a lot of horrible bits, but ultimately it's a very uplift for me, I feel anyway an uplifting book because you know and my mum I think for my mum and my brother the the whole story coming out in the book has been very uplifting and because something that was very hard for us and shameful for us has now come out there and people are you know seeing us as we are and we've come through it and we've it's made us stronger together as well as individuals and yeah and that that um, time it was a new year and it was the first time I sort of saw my mum kind of because she'd, you know, we were getting a bit older, and she started to go back to school and go back to, you know, uh, education and get things. And and um, my dad and the gamekeeper came back, and they were drunk, and 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 my mum, I, I knew my mum and dad had a row, and they, my mum shouted down for us to have our dinner, and I went down, and my dad was, I sort of passed out on the table, like this, on the on the dinner table, and my mum had set the table around him. <laughs> And so we were, she says, come on. And so we had our tea, like eating our dinner, like past the biscuits over my dad's head and everything like that. It was so surreal and crazy. But it was, we were kind of giddy with excitement about it. And, and then that night, the, what was amazing is that my mum, my brother, she, it was, I remember it was a really snowy night. And, 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 and she said to me, do you want to go to the pictures? To, to, and I was like, and we never went to the pictures. And so we, and Jaws was just opening. So we, and my brother went to see his girlfriend on his bike and my mum um, drove me and we went to Dundee to see the pictures. But and as we were on the, driving on the way, we just, just left the estate into a little country back roads. She said, you know, would you ever, w would you like to live just you and me and Tom? That's my brother. And I was like, what, you mean without dad? And she said, yes. And I went, yes. And just then the car spun around and went into a ditch. <laughs> And it was just one of these amazing, we were both like utterly freaked out. And then she did, you know, we just drove on and it was never mentioned again. But it was just, it was such an incredible evening of, as I suppose a lot of my childhood was, but with incredibly sort of high emotion and then suddenly something comes along and takes it away. Like my dad would, you know, snatch anything away that I, I showed that I liked. How, how did he feel when you said you were <coughs> going to go off to drama school? Um... Well, I... You'd left home by then, right? You were working at I was DC working. Thompson. I was, I was still at home. You were still, still at home, living you were at working home. in Dundee. But I was, working in, I was working at DC Thompson's in Dundee where I was a sub-editor. And I wrote the, the uh, horoscopes for the Dundee Telegraph. Whoa! <laughs> <coughs> I thought you were going to say you were the doc on the Sunday Post. No. But then, and also, before I was on a magazine, I, I worked in the fiction department, and you could go, hello, fiction. That was my favorite part. <laughs> um, but, I, I mean, I think by that point, I was kind of out of his, because I was working, and because I was, I was somehow out of his thrall. Mm. And I, um, I, he, I mean, I don't think it would have been his favorite thing, but I don't, I don't know, I don't think he... I, I was, it was like I'd, gone, I'd grown too old and he was too... I mean, he had been very threatened by 
education and and you know by my mum's going back to work and by me uh going on to he he was very threatened by that he's threatened by a lot of things i realize now but so but when it came to me you know going to drama school i don't i don't know i mean i don't think he quite understood what that what that was and i mean it wasn't like even then i thought i didn't think i was going to end up a big actor i just thought i, I didn't know quite i just wanted to get away well you did get away you definitely did get away. Yes. The one thing we're not going to we're not going to reveal is that um, that, <laughs> that Alan's Al, Alan's. Br I mean, it did as, <clears throat> as part of this whole process. Your brother and you did do a DNA test so that you could find out whether the father had been telling the truth or not. And the ramifications of that in the book are quite extraordinary as well. I am about to throw it up to questions though, because I'm sure there's a big audience. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions. Some of them may be about dressing up as a woman on screen. I don't know. What? I'm, in, I'm interested in your use of Veet. Oh, yes, that's right. I'm interested oh, in your use of Veet <laughs> and silicon breasts. That's, um, so we, we can talk, talk about, about that later. We can talk about that. We'll talk about that afterwards. Um, but is there something you want to do before? Oh, I do, I do. Yeah. Oh, so I went, if you'd indulge me, on um, Instagram, I do this thing called Saturday Night on Broadway. And do you know it? Oh, good. So what it is is that... <laughs> we can't do Club Coming tonight, but we can do this. Yeah, we can do this. So, uh, so when I was doing Cabaret last year on Broadway, I, uh, the, the stage manager, we'd do the matinee and then we'd have our dinner. And then when it was time to do the evening show again, the speaker would come on and go, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday night on Broadway. And, and, and so I started to do this thing on Instagram going, it's Saturday night on Broadway, it's Saturday night on Broadway. And then when I stopped doing it, when the show was coming to an end, all these people were like, please, you know, keep doing it, Anna, please. So every, whatever I am in the world on a Saturday, I, I do this. So I was wondering if you do it. So, so I'll introduce it, and then it goes do, like this. Do you want the lights to go up? Uh, let me think. Have a look. Yeah, the lights are up. Let's see. I can look. No, that's good. It's fine. It's fine. Like, yeah, that's good. Oh, you did put them up. So... So, so it goes like this, it goes, it's Saturday night on Broadway, it's Saturday night on Broadway. Okay, practice. It's Saturday night on Broadway, it's Saturday night on Broadway. Perfect. You ready? <laughs> uh, you can be here, you're being Ian. So I'll do, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so I'll do the introduction bit first, okay, ready? And now, live from the Edinburgh Book Festival... It's Saturday night on Broadway. It's Saturday night on Broadway. Yay! Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> How did you top that? Showbiz. Oh, it's good. <laughs> How do you top that? How do you top that? Very good, everybody. Well, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm going to post that right now. Yeah, we can wait. Go, go, please. Now it's all oh, the fireworks. Now a special literary edition of dot dot dot. Okay, I'm with. I'm back. Thank you. Well done. It's it's good you're doing that because we can get rid of some of the big bangs. Boom. Before we start the questions. So we've got a couple of roving mics, <coughs> I believe. And we've got a lovely big audience here. And the lights are up so we can all see you. And we'll start taking some. There's a gentleman there in a pink shirt, I think. Thank you very much. Hi, Alan. We heard your book at bedtime on Radio 4, and it was brilliant. Thank you. Uh, my mother's got AMD. I wondered if there is an audio version available. Yeah. 
I mean, with, with you speaking on it. Yeah, I, I recorded it. Is it is it, in, is it in this country? Yes, it is. Oh, thank you, thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, I think you get it on Kindle and stuff. Can you? Yeah. CDs or yeah, downloads the whole thing. Yeah. It'll be coming out as a six-part HBO series later on. <laughs> <in the year>. <laughs> <laughs> and a box set. What are you doing now? I'm seeing how many likes we've got. <laughs> Thirty-three. Yes, please. Hi, Alan. Hi. Hi. Um, if there's any role at all that you haven't played yet in television, movies, on stage, is there anything at all you would love to do? No. <laughs> I, I, I don't have any... I'm not a yearner as a person or as an actor. I just... I, I feel like... There's some things like... I think, oh, that'd be nice. And, you know... I, I did want to do Macbeth... And then, you know, the version I did of it was so not how I thought it was going to, you know, so I don't, I think that was an example of why I don't yearn. Um, I mean, there must, there must be something about the MC, though, in, uh, in Cabaret, because you've done it a couple of times. Uh, yeah, but I didn't sort of, actually, when I first was asked to do that, I said no. When Sam Mendes asked me, he said, would you like to play the MC? And I'd just done Hamlet, and I was like, oh, I don't do musicals. I'm so sorry, I'm so posh. <laughs> but, I, but I did go back to the MC, but not because I really, I just felt at certain times in my life. Well, it, you know, I did it and then it was, went to Broadway, so I went with it. And then when I did it again last year, it's kind of because I thought they want me to do it again. It felt like I, I was older and it was another generation. It was another generation had passed. And I thought it was time that that story was, you know, had something to say not about now. But no, I don't really... I mean, usually when I'm asked that question, I say King Lear, because King I think Lear. it's far enough in the future that people won't... But it's not that far in the future now anymore, so... But no, I don't, I actually much prefer just to, I mean, I do make a lot of my own work, but a lot, I think also, I like what people bring to me, and, you know, I, yeah, so, so no is the answer. I, um, I saw your old sparring partner, Forbes Masson, in King Lear. Are you, oh, he was the fool, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, at Liverpool, with, uh, at Liverpool every month. With, uh, Pete Pothsweet. Yeah, Pete Pothsweet, yeah. I uh, bet was, that was great. It was extraordinary, and it was, just, you know, it was almost the last production before the, rebuilt the theatre, and of course the last production before Pete, yeah, Pete died, yeah. was taken ill, yeah. But he was very, so he's done King Lear, so come on. <laughs> get with it, get, <laughs> get with it. Uh, another question. Uh, yes, lady, right up the middle there. Keep your hand up, please, and we'll get a microphone to you. Thanks very much. Do you think, have they gone now? Have the fireworks stopped for a wee while? Next round. In take, just keep talking, they'll put it on, don't worry. Yeah, just... In taking part in um, Who Do You Think You Are and in writing your book, you had to look at yourself very closely, presumably. How did it feel recently to be painted by Christian Hook? What was that experience Ooh. like, having somebody looking at you? Well, it was amazing. I mean, I... I uh, um, it was for a TV programme. Yeah, for the Portrait Artist of the Year Award. And it's at the Scottish National Portrait Gallery here. And it was, in, I mean, it was, it's, I think it is the most, the thing I'm, or the, to me, the biggest accolade I've ever had is, is for that to happen. Because it was, you know, they took down a picture of the Queen to put mine up. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Insert joke here. And then, um, but it really was, you know, an amazing thing. But the great thing about it was that I felt, like, I get, I mean, I've, I've been painted, my portrait's been painted a few times, not in the Scottish National Portrait Gallery, but 
I get photographed all the time. You know, it's I'm used to people doing that to me, like you know, portraying me in some way. But what was so amazing about Christian and the whole fact it was a TV show and stuff, and that he came and we really got to know each other, and I didn't really realize it at the time, but he was finding out so much about me, and certain things had happened that you know I was. My dog had died, and uh, the independence thing had gone badly, in my opinion. And, <laughs> um, and so there were certain things that, and you know, he just, we talked a lot. He painted me several times in New York, and, and, then we, and, um, and we did these funny experiment things, like in the TV show, you know, I, I danced, and he flung the paint on. And the, so we kind of had this great... I really loved him, and I think he really loved me, and we really had a very intense, um, you know, condensed friendship. And then he went away and put those, some of those really personal things into the painting. Like there's a, a little thing about my dog, a little jar of honey, and it says it on it, and, and the thing, I'm, we I'm wearing a kilter in my neck, and it's the, the, the official tartan of the Yes campaign and stuff like that. And he really, and he, he wrote Yes along. He put, he, he, he saw things that were really important to me and put them into the, because he understood as, you know, that's going to be there forever in that thing, in that gallery. And, and so he, he wanted me to be involved in it in a way that often people who take your picture or paint your picture, it's about, it's about, it's about them, their interpretation of you. And you just happen to be the subject. So I, I really felt it was, uh, a, a, a meeting and then you know then I he went away and painted the painting that he did but I love it I really feel I, I really feel like it's it's got my spirit it's also got your pubic hair <laughs> yeah <laughs> my mangina well, so I mean, ty typically ch <laughs> typically cheeky man there you yeah, yeah. like I went to the, the back eye oh, and yeah. of course for those who've seen it he comes on stage <laughs> you know on a hoist Upside down, by upside my down, and I and I can with a, with a kilt with a can uh, the arse coming there. There's the arse coming down. <laughs> Comes on stage, unhooks himself, goes, "Yes, it's me, basically." Wasn't yeah, it? It was kind of there. Hey, we can start the show. Now. I'm back or something. Wasn't ah, it? Said, yeah. no, it was good. It was great. I enjoyed that. Thank I you. Enjoyed it a lot. Right, uh, gentlemen here with a <coughs> hand up. Thanks very much. Got oh, we've got a few. We've got time for a few more. Thank you. Hello. Um, after years of waiting, uh, missing out when Ian McKellen did it, I finally managed to get to see Bent. Oh. with you in it in, um, I think it was 2006, at Trafalgar Studios. And I was wondering, when you, when you do a, a part like that, how does it impact upon you? Because it isn't just a play, it says so much more about what happened, and it's so important as a message that needs to uh, be remembered by, by many people who miss out on the impact of Nazis on gay people. Well, <clears throat> it was obviously like something... You know, a lot of the things, a lot of things I do are, you know, this sounds fun or blah, blah. And, and then a lot of things I do are like, I really want to do. This means a lot to me as a human being um, or as a Scot or as a queer person. Or, or, you know, and this, this one, this play Bent by Martin Sherman is so intense. And, and, it's, and it's so, what I, and what was also amazing about it is that he, when he, when he wrote it in the 70s, it, it really was sort of a revelation to people that, oh, what, the Nazis were horrible to gay people too? You know, mm. uh, duh. But um, it, so it kind of historically changed, uh, made a difference in, in people's understanding of what became the Holocaust. So anyway, aside from all that, 
it's also a super intense story. And of course, you know, as much as we have had great strides in laws changing and being a much safer place for gay people, there's still homophobia and there's still terrible things that go on and there's still prejudice. So for me, doing that play was, uh, aside from being an incredible part and an incredible story, it was also meant such a lot in a personal way about just what I, how I, what I think about the world and how, what my experience is of the world. But it was also a really difficult thing to do because every night you had to go through some really, really intense, I mean, just awful, the worst, worst things that you could ever expect a human being to, to deal with. But there are always fireworks. Um, and like, I, I would actually feel sorry for, when friends would come and see it, I would actually feel sorry for them because I knew in like, you know, two hours time they were going to be wrecked. And people would come and see it and come up to my room and say, how do you, how do you, oh, sorry, how do you do this every night? And I'd go, by not talking about it afterwards. <laughs> and they'd go, but how do you do it? I'd go, by not talking about it afterwards. Have a drink. And so I actually had perversely, not perversely, but perhaps surprisingly, a really great time doing that play because I'd done things before, as I talk about in the book actually, when I played Hamlet, and other things that I felt I lost myself a little bit as Alan, you know, in, 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 in the course of doing something that was so dark that I kind of, and maybe I wasn't as well balanced as I was when I did Bent, but I was still very aware that, that could, I could easily go into a very dark place. So I, I, made, my li I made sure my life was uh, as able to be as happy and fun as possible. And I actually had a great time with all those boys in that show. And, and Grant, my husband, and our dogs came over, and I, had, I made my home there. But it was, you know, you have to be so careful about stuff like that. But, you know, my mom, who's here, she said the best thing. When, when, uh, when she came to see it, she came backstage, and she was all upset and everything. It can't be nice for, to see her son, you know, this horrible stuff happening to him. Um, and she said, I, she said, I said, oh, are you all right? She goes, I just feel everyone should see this play. And I thought that was the best thing, you know, anyone could say about something. Yeah, that's why you do, that's why you're an artist. You just think, I want this message to get to as many people as possible. Hmm. Um, I'm not a very good chair because I forgot something we said we might do, which is that you were maybe going to do a wee reading from the book. Do oh, you yeah. want to do a wee reading from the book or do you want to keep the Q&A going? Is it an either or? It's up to you. It's whatever you feel. What do you want to do? What do you want? Should I read a little bit? There's people with questions. There's more questions. So if you want to keep going with the questions and not read, and then they'll all have to buy it. <laughs> all right. Yes. Okay. Questions. All right. The, <laughs> all right. The, all right. Okay. Calm down, Mrs. Calm down. We're coming to you. Um, up there, the woman jumping up and down with the blonde hair. <laughs> I'm so small, nobody ever sees my hand even though. Who? Who's that? What? It's me. She's here, yeah. <laughs> Five foot one. Listen, I just wanted to say, I remember, I can't remember when it was you wrote a really lovely thing called A Letter to My Younger Self. Right. And I work in the field of mental health and there's been a lot of themes in the book festival about suicide and people feeling so despairing of their younger selves. And I know that not everybody would come into the success and the kind of, you know, what, what you have, but I feel there's something about redemption possibility, even in later life when you're a young mm -hmm. person who's had a terrible life, and I, I've worked with people like that, who, you know, I'm saying, hang on, you don't know, you, you, you know, I know that you feel understandable, you want to take your own life, or things are so despairing, but I just remember you writing that letter to yourself, and here you are now, and I'm so happy that you've come through and you've found happiness with your mum and your husband, 
and your brother. And I think it's a fantastic story of redemption through the darkest times. So I just wanted to say oh, that. Thank Alan. you so much. That's so nice. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Somebody up here with a question? Yep. Hi, Alan. Um, mm. Thank you, first of all, for such an amazing book. It's uh, probably the best autobiography I've ever read. Wow, gosh, thanks. <laughs> how many um, have you read? Yeah, how many have you read? <laughs> <laughs> I've, re I've read a few. Um, I just wanted to ask, um, there's been a bit of a resurgence of, sort of Hollywood-type actors coming back to the UK um, to do uh, sort of TV serials or series. Has anything caught your eye? And if it hasn't um, caught your eye, what would it take to really catch your eye to, to sort of pick up a script and come back to the UK and do some kind of British um, TV serial? Well, it's it's um, <clears throat> it's I really do, you know I I, I guess because of the Good Wife that I've been on you know, this is season seven of it and I have um, been. Um, that's nine months of my life, so I haven't been able to... I mean, the last thing I did, I guess, here was when I did Macbeth at the National Theatre for Scotland. That was about three years... You did a Martina Cole um, The year before show. that, I was going to say that, yeah. And like, actually, when, I was do, when, I'm right, when the book happens, I was doing as uh, The Runaway, when I played, dressed up as a woman and had feet and had mm. false boobs. Um, my boobs, I, it's so hilarious, because I have this... Uh, at Boston University, have my... asked if they could have my... Um, uh, what do you call it? Your archive, mm -hmm. my uh, collection. So basically, any old shit that I don't want, <laughs> I send them. And so it's great. And, they, and my, actually, mum was over one time and they had an exhibition and it was really lovely and it is kind of great. So, but they're just anything I, anything I don't want, worky wise and everything, they, they, they take. And um, just recently, I was cleaning out my flat in New York and I, had, I kept the, the chicken cutlets that I wore as Desiree in that thing. And I had them in a little plastic thing and I. For some reason, I thought, oh, I'll keep those as a memento. And I thought, why have I got two false boobs in my bookshelf? So I donated them to the uh, Boston University, so they're going to be there. So what, was it, so what was it about that show in particular? What was it about that role that you meant, oh, yeah, this is the one for me? Well, I felt that, you know, what I really liked about it was that it was a trans person who was shown in a really positive light. They didn't die. They weren't murdered in some horrible thing. They were actually the kind of moral compass of the whole thing and they survived and they blossomed and that was really because I just feel like when you play if you have a choice and if you you know you if you play certain roles it's gonna you know people are I, as I've no, I realized by many things in my life but especially by this book but what an effect you can have by being <coughs> authentic and truthful and I saw with this when I when they sent me that one I just thought this is a really great um, uh, example of how you can show someone who is different and, and, and don't show them in a negative light. In fact, you show them in a very positive light. So that was, that's why I did that. So, so to answer your question, I, it would take something like that, but I'm kind of a little um, uh, compromised by the fact that, you know, I, I'm nine months of the year, I, I'm doing that. And when I, so in my summer holidays, I either do, the first couple of years when I was, playing Eli's all, you know, straight-laced and in a suit. And I, the first year I did a move, uh, the first year I did Runaway, I played a transvestite. The second year I did, um, uh, I went and did this movie about um, a, a gay couple adopting a Down syndrome child in the 70s. <laughs> and then I did, then I did Macbeth. 
I just kept doing these things that were as extreme as possible away from, you know, a, a sort of... Uh, and at some point you were doing suit. Who Do You Think You Are? Would have been one of them. Well, that was, yeah, that was the first year when I did, I was doing Who Do You Think You Are. Like, I, I had a gap in my Who Do You Think You Are filming because of the, the runaway. Anyway, I'd, so I'd, that was what was awful. I did the first week's filming, and I had to go and do a month more in South Africa filming that thing. And so some of the, the story of my granddad, I had to wait a month to find out the answer. And in that month, I was dealing with all my dad's stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm really bad at surprises. I can't bear it. So it was really, in addition to everything else, it was a difficult summer. So, so, there's, so there's no great revelations tonight about what you might be up to next. It's just more good wife. More good wife. I'm writing another book. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a, book of Any clues? it's a book of photos and stories. And so by stories, you mean short stories? Short stories. Like, like a couple of years ago, I had an exhibition of photographs called Alan Cumming Snaps, and that's what my Instagram name is. And I, so I, and, but, and I, liked having, I liked sort of showing people things in a different form, but I couldn't resist. I had to write a wee story about each picture that was on the wall, or else if you bought it, it was on the back. So now I'm doing a book of sort of elaborations of those and other things because I think it's interesting that you know sometimes you sometimes I tell a story of why I took the photo or what was going on at the time that seems to be absolutely contrary to what the photo's about and so, so it, and it's sort of memoiry it's all true stories and things that have happened to me but it's got a a root in a, a, an image the first time that uh, Alan and I met was because of a, a, a TV company put us together, a kind of French-German co-production. And it's one of, it was a series where they take two people who, from a certain area of the world who don't know each other, haven't met, and they put them together for an evening and follow them around the city. And so they basically, this huge limo turns up, with Alan coming in the back at my house. <laughs> and, uh, and he comes and goes, hello, and we're, gonna, and we're jumping at the back. And we have, was we have dueling film crews. Oh, they got us wasted. It was, there was bottles of champagne, there was ice buckets, there was... Malt whiskey. It was, was a really cool kind of jag or something. Was, I forget what a big Merc or something, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. And we went. I remember one I really remember was going to the Scottish Parliament, which of course was shut. And yeah. we get taken into the debating chamber and we sit there, and with the whole of Scottish parliamentary history at our disposal, we start telling dirty jokes <laughs> to each other. <laughs> 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 like we forgot the cameras were on us. Um, and we went to this. Went to the uh, police we station where. Went to the police Rebus station. Went, we went to 21st century kilts. Went to the down underneath the. Talk the, to Harry. What do you call it? The, the place where you. The, the little, vaults. The yeah, vaults. Yeah, yeah. Went Mary to the Albadoro fish yeah. and chip shop. Went Remember to the fish and chip shop. Albadoro. Yeah. I did that great card trick for you, and it didn't work out. Yeah, they don't always work out. Doesn't always no. Um, we've got to come to an end, except we haven't come at the end because Alan will be signing. We're 670 next likes, door. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Alan will be signing books next door. If you've not managed to ask a question, if you can stick around, please do stick around, ask him a question, buy a book, get a selfie, go on Instagram, set up your own account called Alan Cumming at the Edinburgh Book Festival Snaps. Um, <laughs> enjoy yourselves. Listen, thanks very much. It's been a fantastic Thank Saturday you. night. Thank you, Alan. Alan Cumming! Alan Cumming! Alan Cumming! Ian Rankin, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks, Ian. More podcasts and videos of Edinburgh International Book Festival events are available at www.edbookfest.co.uk on iTunes and YouTube. Just search for Edbookfest.